Were the Tuesday losses by Trump-endorsed candidates, were they a sign that Donald Trump is perhaps losing his influence, maybe even losing his mojo over the Republican Party? No, I think not, but we'll, I'll explain why here in a minute. Uh, first, I want to do a quick shout-out. This particular segment is also going to be, uh, of the show, is going to be telecast, rebroadcast as uh, the America First Report over at jdrucker.substack.com. I will have an accompanying article attached to it. Um, and of course, you're listening to this live, so you know that it's, it's here, here as well. We're, we're trying to cross-pollinate. You know, I've got so many shows out there. I've got J.D. Rucker Live at Red City Talk Radio, 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. I've got J.D. Rucker Political Report uh, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at America Out Loud Talk Radio. Of course, I've got my show, The Midnight Sentinel. I've got several substacks. I'm a busy guy, yeah. <laughs> but I do it. And the reason that I have so many of these shows is because, quite frankly, I don't have the reach that you know some other people have. Tucker Carlson, even Sean Hannity. And no, I'm not saying that I need to have the same reach as the Fox News guys. But I do feel that it's important to reach as many people as possible because the America First message is one that is, in many ways, it's getting muffled, it's getting muddied, it's getting uh, improperly used. There are, some, don't get me wrong, there's definitely some good show hosts out there, some good good talking heads and, and uh, radio voices who are out there trying to to do, do what's right for America, to spread the MAGA message. But for the most part, I would say the majority of them are basically establishment shills that well, they'll occasionally get some some things right about critical race theory or abortion or whatever. But when it comes to the real topics that are affecting Americans, the attacks by the globalist elites, the attacks by Big Pharma, the attacks by by the Republican establishment itself, you know, the Uniparty, that's where I feel that we're we're missing the boat. And that's why I do have all these shows. So today is an exciting, exciting segment of an exciting episode. So Tuesday, Donald Trump had endorsed, uh, well, obviously several people. That's what he's he's been doing the last year or so. He's endorsing people and uh, trying to get get allies in the Republican Party to become victorious. And for the most part, he's he's been relatively successful. Uh, Tuesday was not a good day for him. Okay, he had uh, both David Perdue, the former senator who's running running to to defeat incumbent Brian Kemp. You had uh, Jody Heiss, the congressperson, congressman, who I I like him as a congressman, but you know he he lost badly to Brad Raffensperger for Secretary of State. Now these two two Trump endorsees, they didn't just lose. Okay, they they got absolutely trounced by the incumbents. It wasn't even close. They 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 were they underperformed what they were polling, and they were polling horribly going in, and yet they didn't even get that. So that's where a lot of people, especially in corporate media and uh, within the Republican establishment, they're all like, oh my gosh, Pence's guy won. Well, yeah, Pence backed Brian Kemp, an incumbent. Of course he was going to win. There was chances of Purdue coming, pulling out a victory, especially the way that he ran his campaign, were essentially nil with or without Trump's endorsement. So let's be clear about that. Mike Pence didn't, didn't push Brian Kemp over the top. Mike Pence just hopped on those coattails and tried to get some some uh, kudos and try to get himself established as a 2024 GOP presidential candidate. You know, rhinos stick together. And that particular rhino backed another rhino and they, they came out on top, not because of Mike Pence. Let's be cl clear about that. But this isn't the first loss. You know, the, these losses that he had, they weren't the first ones. Trump's. 
he's had some, especially when it comes to trying to usurp uh, unpopular incumbents. According to the Washington, uh, Washington, oh, we, we don't quote the Washington Post here, folks. Just, just be clear about that. According to the Wall Street Journal, in Georgia on Tuesday night, Governor Brian Kemp decisively won his primary against the former president's candidate, former Senator David Perdue. Last week in Idaho, Mr. Trump's candidate, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan, uh, lost her challenge to Governor Brad Little. A week before that, Charles Herbster, the Trump-backed businessman who ran for governor in Nebraska and forced an allegation and faced allegations of groping women, lost to University of Nebraska official Jim Pillen. Mr. Herbster denied the allegations. Mr. Trump told voters to overlook them. Yeah, yeah so be it. Georgia's governor race was perhaps the marquee primary test, given it was the center of the president's what they call false 2020 election fraud claims. Gosh, you know I. I really don't like the Wall Street Journal. I know they're supposed to be centrist or right-leaning or whatever. Look, they're they're part of the establishment, okay? Um, but yeah, I, I got a quote from them because they do have they do have the goods sometimes. The president's quote unquote false 2020 election fraud claims that he says will boost turnout for Republicans this fall. He repeatedly attacked Mr. Kemp, calling him weak for not trying to overturn President Biden's win there. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I'll, I'll admit it. Just even reading the Wall Street Journal out loud makes me feel like I feel dirty. You know, I feel like I, I need to take a shower or something. And I did just recently take a shower, so it's not my smell. This has to do with having to read this garbage. The 2020, just on a side note, the 2020 election was stolen. Okay. And I think I'm hopeful that most, if not all of my listeners are very well aware of that. And for the Wall Street Journal and everybody else in corporate media, including Fox News, by the way, including Newsmax, including a lot of the the uh, supposedly right leaning uh, corporate news outlets, you know, them denying that the 2020 election was stolen is is ludicrous. It's insulting to people like you and me, and it's uh, it's disingenuous because they know it was. I mean, this isn't like it's not like oh, you know, they're just mistaken or they're they need to be. Sh I mean, folks. There's a reason why they won't even mention 2,000 mules. It's not that they're sticking their head in the sand and pretending it doesn't exist. It's because they know that, wow, this kind of kind of blows the whistle on us because we participated. <laughs> we being Fox News, you know. Um, I don't think Newsmax participated, but they're definitely on the side right now of, uh, of trying to cover it up for whatever reason. Maybe they're scared of lawsuits. Maybe they're just weak. Maybe they're just Democrats. Maybe they're establishment uh, uh, phonies. Who knows? I know that a lot of people love Newsmax, you know, sorry for you, but uh, but I don't, okay? Not a fan, just not a fan. I, I have been, and there are, there are people at Newsmax that I like, okay? There are some, but, but you know, just like I like Tucker Carlson over at Fox News, but for the most part, the companies of Fox News and Newsmax are not legitimately right-leaning. They're just establishment shills. They really, they really are. Anyway, so, you know, does this mean this loss? of Purdue, of uh, of heist. Does this mean that Trump has lost his touch? And no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. So uh, it means two things. Let's be clear. And these are things that I've said for a long time. You know, this isn't me just coming out and making up an odd excuse, you know, uh, because, because Trump's guy's lost. I've been saying this since before the very first primary, okay? These are, these are things you could, I think I've said them in, in past years, past election years. So I've been consistent about this. Uh, this is not me making excuse. This is the reality, folks. Okay, the reality is this. <clears throat> Number one, beating an incumbent like Brian Kemp, like Brad Raffensperger, is nearly impossible without a scandal. 
Okay, it really is. I'm not saying it's impossible, completely impossible. It's been done. Okay, I've participated in campaigns where we have been able to defeat unpopular incumbents, but it is extraordinarily difficult unless you have a scandal. Now, obviously, if there's a scandal involved and you can take them down and get people to turn against them, but for the most part, you know, what what do primary voters vote for? Number one, we have to assume that most voters are low information voters. They're going based upon what they know. And if they see an incumbent, they know one thing for sure, that that incumbent, whether it's Brian Kemp or Raffensperger or whoever, that that incumbent has defeated a Democrat in the past. Otherwise, he or she would not be in office. So if you're a low information voter, you say, okay, so Brad Little, or Brad Little, uh, uh, Brad Raffensperger, he's the incumbent. I don't know, never heard of him, don't know what he does. Um, I think I've heard of Jody Heiss, but eh, maybe, maybe not. But I do know that Raffensperger, who is the Republican Republican Secretary of State in Georgia, the incumbent, that he has defeated a Democrat in the past, so I'm going to go out and vote for him. That's how low-information voters go, okay? They, they go with what they know. And if they know that somebody has already won, their goal is to defeat the Democrats. Again, we're talking about the primary voters here. Their goal is to defeat the Democrat, and they figure, hey, Ravensburger beat him once, why can't he beat him again? You know, Brian can't beat him once. Why, why, he already beat uh, Stacey Abrams, and I don't like her, so let's go with what we know. We know that Brian Kemp has beaten her once. Maybe he can beat her again. Let's go with him again. You know, David Perdue, he lost his last election. Oh, he's a loser. Yeah, this, this, this is how people think. Again, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about low-information voters. But number two, and again, I've been saying this for a long time, endorsements don't matter. Not in the eyes of voters. You know, endorsements that are attached to like rallies and other and fundraisers and other events, they can be beneficial. Okay, as far as raising money for for a uh, a candidate for the for the campaign, but as as far as you know, oh, they had this huge rally and you know Pence had a rally for Kemp and it wasn't very well attended and Trump had a rally for Purdue and it was packed and oh my gosh, this means Purdue's going to win. No, of course not. Purdue got but got demolished, okay? Just because his rally was bigger doesn't mean that that that's you know people went there to see Trump, and the people that went there to see Trump, most of them had already decided whether they were going to vote for Purdue or not, okay? They weren't their mind wasn't changed by that. It's not how these things work. From a fundraising perspective, you can with an active endorsement. I'm not just saying yes, I endorsed that person, and all of a sudden fundraising goes through the roof. No, it needs to be active. They have to you know if you have a candidate that's going to go and, and make an appearance, I'm sorry, not a candidate, but an, an endorsee, endorser, I should say, goes and they make an appearance and they do hold a fundraiser and they talk to people and they talk to mega donors and they, they do, you know, talk to the PACs and whoever, you know, that's where you can have benefit from endorsements, but just throw a slap in the name. Oh, you know, I'm Trump endorsed. That doesn't make much of a difference in anybody's mind. And here's the main reason. It's not that I, I want to be clear. It's not that people don't take that into account. It's that the most people, most low information voters, don't even know who's endorsed by who. Okay, they're not they're not paying attention. They're not seeing the the report that you know Donald Trump endorses uh, David David Perdue. No, they're watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Okay, they don't know anything about this stuff. The people that do know about the endorsement, these are people that are either mid to, to high level information voters, and they're going to be like, okay, so great, Trump endorsed him, I'll take that into account, but I'm going to do my research because I'm a mid to, to high level information voter. And so I'm going to do my research and make my decision based upon who I like. So no, don't say, oh, you know, endorsements, if, if Trump's endorsements aren't winning, that means that he's losing his touch. That's ridiculous. And by the way, I'm not saying that Trump's not losing his touch. I'll cover that here in a minute. 
I'm not saying that he's not losing his mojo or his influence. I'm saying that this is not an indicator of that. Uh, but, but of course, corporate media and me even many conservative media and even a handful probably in alternative media are going to say, oh, this is a sign. Ooh, ooh, you know, you cannot, no matter how, even if you are going there, even if you are an active endorser, you go there, you're helping them to raise funds, you're helping them to, to get attention, you're traveling, you're shaking hands, you're kissing babies, you're doing everything that you, you should do as a good endorser of, of a political candidate that you support. You can be all that stuff, and you cannot, no matter how much money you raise, no matter how many endorsements you're able to, to gather, you're not going to be able to overcome a bad campaign or a bad candidate. David Perdue was a terrible candidate. Okay, he really was. I mean, he said the wrong things at the wrong times. He he hit the wrong notes. He was all over the board. I mean, if you watch the watch the uh, the debate, oh gosh, it's just like, man, wow. Uh, are are you sure that you are you trying to win? I didn't think I wasn't sure he was trying to win. I thought maybe he was just out there to to I don't know embarrass Trump or something. I mean, that's how bad he was. And then you have have um, Jody Heiss. Who I like, I I think Jody Heiss is a good congress congressman. But with that said, I mean, how much did you hear about his campaign? Nothing. He was running against the arguably the most corrupt Republican Secretary of State in the nation. Somebody who has been been ridden with scandals. Somebody who is demonstrably corrupt. I mean, it's not like these are just allegations out there. He's been shown to be corrupt. Okay, the deals that he's done as Secretary of State to help himself, and not Georgia. I mean, he, it, was, it should have been a slam dunk. And I'm not sure what happened. Well, we don't know because nobody heard anything. Jody Heiss had an opportunity to take a Secretary of State election and to make it a national issue by being bold, by being aggressive, by, being a, by running a, a strong campaign. And instead, we got nothing. You know, he ran basically the campaign of a congressperson versus the campaign of a Secretary of State. And you might think, well, a congressperson's a bigger role. No, number one, no, it's not. Um, not necessarily, at least. And number two, a congressional campaign is based upon a congressional district, a smaller uh, region, fewer people. The Secretary of State campaign is, is statewide. And he ran, they, they ran their campaign like they were doing like a little local, you know, let's hit up this county. Okay, you know, let's, let's go to the cafe and, and uh, let's, let's talk to people. Let's shake hands. That's, uh, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what he did because we didn't hear anything about it and we should have. So no, no Trump endorsement, no money, no whatever can overcome a bad candidate like David Perdue or a bad campaign like Jody Heiss's. Nothing there, nothing there. Can't be done. So what does this tell us? That's the real question. It tells us, number one, that the Republican establishment is quietly working its way back in to control. You know, they sort of were able to maintain some control through the Trump presidency, but now the Biden it has been installed into the White House. They have been, they're basically trying to take complete control back of the party, the same type of control, the same level of control that they had in, you know, from 20, uh, two, year 2000 on, you know, up until the point where the Tea Party started, started making moves. So they had control for about 10, 11, 12 years. And then they started getting challenged by conservatives, by America First Patriots. And they, they didn't handle it well especially through the Trump years, but they were able to fight their way back. And now today, they're definitely making making some moves. I will tell you this, the one more concerning than Purdue or, or Heiss 
the one endorsement or lack of endorsement that I think is telling about Trump was actually Mo Brooks. He pulled his endorsement from Mo Brooks two months ago, okay, because Mo Brooks was losing. When he endorsed Mo Brooks, Mo Brooks was at 40%. When he pulled his endorsement, he was at under 17%. When Mo Brooks was able, and, and in third place, by the way, Mo Brooks was able to, since then, jump up to where he ended up, I think, at 29.1% and forced a runoff. He, he finished second, okay? He, he moved up after Trump's endorsement was pulled. That, to me, is much more telling of whether or not Trump really has as much sway as he, as he wants to have over the Republican Party. So we will see. We will see. It's, uh, it's a long way to go to 2024, but, but uh, there's a lot of moves that can be made. Hopefully, hopefully, this will make a lot more sense here soon. I know it's for me. I am open-minded. Okay, I support Donald Trump. I know a lot of you out there. I keep, trust me. I, I can already hear the the, the keys uh, being clicked on the on the keyboard. You guys are already right now. Well, how could you still support him after this, that, or the other? I get it. I'm not dumb. I, I haven't been paying attention. I am not happy that even to this day he's still pushing the jabs. I mean, why wh- does not make any sense? Where along the lines does he think that that it's beneficial for him to still be talking about how wonderful? Operation Warp, Warp Speed was and how amazing how many lives the, the vaccines have saved. That's not going to endear him to his base by any means. Yes, and he has made some really poor decisions as far as who to endorse. Okay, should he have endorsed um, David Perdue? I don't think so. I'm not a fan of Perdue. I, he's better than Kemp, but I, I didn't, don't like necessarily like Perdue. I wish he would have endorsed Candace Taylor. That would have been better. Did Candace Taylor have a chance? No. And that's why he didn't. Maybe one of the reasons why he didn't. But somebody needs to stop, needs to make him aware that this isn't about a winning record or a win streak. You, he needs to endorse, he needs to use his power to bring attention to and endorse the candidates who are going to be best for America. Okay? Would David Perdue have been better than Brian Kemp? Sure. By a lot? Probably not. Okay, now, Jody Heiss would have definitely been much better than Brad Raffensperger, that's for sure. But that's a Secretary of State position. You know, what? It just, look, I'm keeping my mind open. I still, as of today, support Donald Trump for president in 2024. I am reserving the right to change my mind if he continues to to defy. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If he continues to defy his base... If he continues to to cozy up to the establishment like Dr. Mehmet Oz, if he continues to to just not be the guy that he was in 2016 and beyond. If he continues down that road, then yes, I will look. I will seek another. But in the meantime, I'm staying. I'm I'm sticking with him because right now I just don't see better options. Now I know a lot of people say, well, "What about DeSantis? What about DeSantis?" Look, we'll see how that pans out. Okay. I know Ron DeSantis. I've been, you know, while I know a lot of people jumped on the Ron DeSantis bandwagon as governor, I was talking to him when he was a congressman. I loved him back then. I thought he was a fantastic congressman. I would say he was actually a better congressman than he is even a governor. And I think he's a fantastic governor, to be clear. Okay? I think that he is he is the prototype. Between him, Carrie Lake, who is running in Arizona, I think that they have the boldness that the Republican Party needs. So, yes, I do like, I would, I would support a, um, a DeSantis um, run for the White House. I'm not suggesting that I would support that over Trump at this point. We have to see how things pan out, which there's still plenty of time. But maybe I would. Now, I don't know. 
you know, Roger Stone, I was, I've, I, he's, he spent a total of two hours over the last couple of months trying to convince me that Ron DeSantis is a very bad guy. Um, so maybe there's more to it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't care about 2024 at this point. I don't know if we're going to have an election in 2022, let alone 2024, with everything that's happening. So all I can, all I can do and all I can ask you all to do is go day to day. <laughs> just do what you can every day. That's it. Just, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's just make it from today until tomorrow. And then tomorrow, we'll try to make it from through tomorrow onto the next day. And yes, we should plan for the future. But the way things are going, we need to be very cautious. We need to be very cautious about what's going on. We need to be careful how we move forward. And I'm not saying that means we need to be weak or milk toast or anything like that. I'm saying we need to look at the, the field. We need to know where the landmines are. This is one of the reasons, you know, I've, I have been, I never used to appeal for donations in the past, but I have been appealing for donations lately. As many of you know who received my, my newsletter, you know, I do ask people, please go to Gibson. If you have the means, only if you have the means, I don't ask people to, to give their last five bucks. Okay. I'm not a televangelist, but if you, if you're sitting there, you're doing okay. You know, you're doing well and you want to help out. I could definitely use it. Go to givesendgo.com slash JD Rucker, or you can just go to my Substack, jdrucker.substack.com and purchase a premium subscription. Now, the funny part is you don't really get anything out of that. <laughs> I mean, there's no benefit to it. I don't put my content behind a paywall. I think that's, well, number one, it'll be, it's presumptuous. Number two, it's, um, I, you know, I want people, I, I don't, I don't write things or say things or do shows that I want, that I don't want the masses to hear. Okay. So you're not going to get anything beneficial by going to jdrucker.substack.com and, uh, and subscribing with a premium subscription. It just helps me and I greatly appreciate it. You don't even know how greatly I appreciate that. Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. As the economy and dollars show signs of falling or even collapsing very soon, now is the time to invest your portfolio or retirement in physical precious metals. This show strongly recommends OurGoldGuide.com for your gold and silver needs. Unlike the big players with big ad budgets, Our Gold Guide IRA is focused on you. That's OurGoldGuide.com.